Thank you for listening to the Highlander Podcast, where we have conversations about the past, present, and future of the outdoor industry. Thanks to Utah State University's Outdoor Product Design and Development Program for making it possible and for training the future product leaders of the outdoor industry. Learn more about the program at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, Ryan Taylor, Product Line Manager at Cotopaxi, speaks to students at Utah State about how to be a great team member, the role of a PLM, and good and bad company culture. Thank you, Chase, for that introduction. Yeah, so I put some thought into it and how I felt like the best way, and I'll share my screen in a second, um, to kind of like walk through like what I think how to be a best member, a good a good member of a product team is I, I put together a couple of like my top line thoughts and I put together a view of like what my entire process looks like in a calendar for a product line manager, like what each of those stops is and then how those play into it. Because I thought that would be like the best like, way to see how I do it in my role, but then also like how that affects other people. So that's how I kind of threw it together. And also I'm sharing what I've learned over the past, like I'm just hitting six years in the industry. So I'm not like some seasoned veteran. This is just what I'm figuring out. So please don't like, (laughs) so keep that in mind as you go through this, like I'm still figuring things out and I probably will be the rest of my life. Perfect. All right. But first I'm going to start with a little bit about me just because I thought it'd be fun to talk about myself for a second, but if like, if you guys want to hear just like anything and like, as I go through all this, like feel free to like throw some things out there. I left some time too to um, have questions at the end too, if we wanted to have a little bit of discussion, I just put together like what I thought the best thing I could and then figure like, we'll just see where time gets us. And hopefully we'll have some sort of discussion if we want to, but as Chase said, and as I've said, my name is Ryan. I'm a product line manager at Cotopaxi. I graduated from Utah state five years ago, which is really wild. Um, it went by really, really fast. And I was in the outdoor product design program, loved it. So I'm so it's been so fun to kind of like see where you guys have taken the program from afar, like as I've been able to kind of like watch and I'm really jealous of you all. Like, I know this sounds like so annoying to say, but like, it's definitely like, I look back on all those things. I'm like, Oh, I miss that. Like I miss being in the pattern making lab. I miss doing color theory with Julie. I miss all these things. I really do. Like, I don't, I don't say that just to like, and you know, everyone says that, but like once you've been through maybe like a bazillion product line reviews, you're like, yeah, no, I would much rather be hanging out with everybody um, in the sewing lab at like 11 PM. Um, work experience wise. Yeah. Currently at Cotopaxi, Cotopaxi I'm the product line manager for all of the equipment packs and then i manage a couple of the sportswear divisions specifically around branded 
Um, I've been there since July and I'm loving it. This is, I'm really excited about this role and like where my experience has kind of gotten me right now. And then before that, I was at backcountry.com as a product line manager and an associate product line manager. That was my first role there. And I was promoted a year and a half into the role where I was on the own brand scheme managing across all three of their brands, anything from like, it's it's so much product experience, like anything from like, um, pursuit outerwear to camping to standard knits and wovens. I was able to work across all of those. And before that, I was in Portland at Columbia Sportswear on the direct to consumer division, where I worked on the men's team. And I, my first category I ran there was I, I, I was given the graphics category, which was like one of like I'll talk more about this in a second. It ended up being like one of my like favorite learning experiences. And then I helped support through men's sportswear and then a couple outdoor product lines as well. And before that, and it was actually why, while I was still in my senior year and part of my junior year, I think if I remember correctly, um, I was at ultra running as a designer, <laughs> which is like really fun to look back on. And I have like a couple pictures of my work here in a second, which will be fun to share. Like it, it feels like a fever dream during that time, but it like really kind of like kicked off my career. And I was really grateful to have that time. Okay. Few pictures about me is pointing on a couple of things from like my personal and professional life on the top left that is they call them the pack boys it's just me and a bunch of guys on the pack team which is really funny and we were, we're the pack team at Kota Paxi and that's us at our factory down in in the philippines i was i was actually supposed to be there right now but it's, it's a long story we that's us with all of our remnant fabric which is like a really fun process if you guys want to hear about that later because it's like so um unique to the industry like you literally look at this factory and like you see um our setup and then how like the rest of like be patagonia you name it how their process is kind of lined up and all of our stuff is just kind of like thrown together because we're like using all the stuff that they've abandoned due to like a bunch of various issues but that's us with all the fabric that we're like repurposing for the season um next over that's my dog i adopted a rescue his name is ash back in august he's a husky healer which was like one of the best decisions i made but also probably the worst because i've been tired ever since i got it like having a puppy is the real thing but i love him he's so sweet he's yeah fit one of the favorite things in my life right now and then more shots of like the what's the pack team um when i'm not at work or anything you'll see me at concerts or music festivals or Climbing, rappelling, you name it, backpacking. Um, this is one of my favorite pictures down here. Me with Molly and uh, Michelle. Oh, wow, that's so embarrassing. I almost forgot her name for a second. I'm like saying how I like love these people and I couldn't even remember her name. But this was my team at Columbia. And I was really fortunate to be able to work with Molly Boyle, which um, is the daughter of the granddaughter of Gert Boyle, the founder of Columbia Sportswear. And it was like so fun to like have that right, right out of like one of like my first like roles in the industry was kind of like being able to hear about how they went and started this company and everything and like the history behind it. So great to have her as a good, and I still have her as a professional mentor. It's, it's really fun. And then another shots of product testing with the guys, but this is me in a nutshell. And then some examples of like my work in market that I thought would be fun to share is like right now, like the Alpha, which I'm actually working on a redesign of it right now. That's going to be like my first projects at Codapaxi. But that's probably one of like the number one revenue drivers in wholesale and direct to consumer that I'm currently working on. And then the Cottonwoods kit, that was one of my like my big projects that I worked on with. And when I say like my, like I want to make sure that like, especially as a product line manager, it's a we. 
all the product that like is my work and market is an example of just like a whole team that I've worked together to bring it to life. It is not just me. This isn't my crap. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is like a whole team that's come together to build something. Um, this was kind of fun. I don't watch the show Outer Banks, but I was just told that like, like one of like the graphics I ran at like Backcountry was like on the show, which I thought that was cool. I don't know if it's a good show or not. So you guys can tell me if I should be proud of that or not. Um, and then the graphics line at Columbia, this was actually really like one of the reasons I think this was like such a fun experience for me is like, I was able to like start the um, national park collaboration while I was there. And that ended up being one of like, I just loved what I learned through that because we were able to like, one, it was like a cool crossroads of like outdoor community and like public policy. Like how do we like work with government to build a product? How can we get this licensing and being able to like donate 10% of every proceeds of every t-shirt towards national park foundation. And it ended up being like one of like the biggest direct to consumer um, and, um, programs in terms of like marketing, consumer engagement, but also profit. It completely blew up. It was such a cool learning experience for me to hit like all facets of like the product and all the cross functional teams that you can work together to bring a product to life. So that was one of like my first big like wins, I would say. And I hate to use the word win because I truly believe like to be a good member of a product team, which we'll touch on this in a second, is to not have like a hyper fixation on like always having a win, always having like some big idea and making the best thing. Like there needs to be some sort of risk in what you're doing and learning from all of that. Like, I don't like the idea of like always, it has to be good or it's not, you know what I mean? We'll talk more about that in a second. Then um, I worked on a lot of like hard goods at Backcountry too, which is really fun because I was like, right when COVID hit is they were trying to get into like the camp space. And that's also like right when like, you know, everyone had to cancel their travel plans. And like the first thing you could do is like go outside. And so like bringing like a bunch of like camping equipment at like a mid-tier price point to market blew up. And it was like one of like the fastest like product lines that I've worked on in terms of like read and react. Like I still had to have like stress dreams about like setting up tents in my basement um, when I was testing them. And then while I was at Columbia, I did get one of my friends, one of the designers, Phil Padilla. He was the guy that like was behind the um, opening ceremony collections in Kith. And I got to like sit behind on like some of the panels that was like, as we were like doing the designer reviews that I just had to throw in there. Cause that was like one of the coolest experiences. Cause I've never like had that's even still like having like a fashion label SMU. Like that was one that was really cool to see that process because that's happening so much right now too. Like as outdoor trickles into like so many different areas of the industry. And then the alcoholer, this is like something that we've been working on right now that I'm really excited about because this is an example of like a silhouette that like works in the outdoor industry. And we like really put our own twist on it at Cotopaxi and it's completely dominating and that's something if you guys want to hear more about, like I'm happy to talk about that. Cause that's really fun to like, look at something that's working. How do you put your own twist on it? And then also like, not even just from features and like construction, but also like retail price point market, like how you're going to like um, market it from a go to market perspective. I could talk about that for days. Then the bottom, right. This is so funny to look back on. Like this was only my project that I was like thrown at ultra was to like do like their marathon shoes. And I was like, I've never designed footwear before. And I also look at this and I'm like, yeah, I can tell that I like a, a non-footwear designer worked on these, but like, it was really fun to like make those. And then like they were, they were used and I still see them in the wild sometimes. It's really funny. Okay. My three rules of being a good member of a product team. And I've got a lot to say here. So, and I also talk fast. So if you need me to read, 
repeat anything, please let me know. A lot of my teams use the emojis when we have to do like virtual meetings that are telling me to like slow my roll. So like, please just let me know if, I'm, if you need to hear anything again. But all right, let's dive in. A product team, cultivated community. This is number one for me because the bulk of the world's economy focuses on product. And that is one thing where the outdoor industry shares. But when you think of like product in general, like capitalism, the first thing I think of always is Mad Men. Not only it's like my personal favorite show, but I think it's a good depiction of like where product is like mined and ran in like a cutthroat manner. And it's almost kind of like sleazy in a way. And the big difference with us and our outdoor industry, however, is a sense of community. And I encourage everyone to have this perspective because you'll work with people from various product industries. And this is like the one like secret sauce of like outdoor product is that we're part of an outdoor community and cultivating a community means to respect and watch out for each other. Everyone on your team and various responsibilities, they have the same shared end goal to make the best product to get each other outside. It's like a passion driven with product. And I think that like adds a lot of like personality and dedication. Like I think there's always like people really care about the product they make because they use it. They're not just making it to make money, even though that is, at the end of the day, we're we at a job. That is what you have to do. But it's fun to be able to... That's where like you really be able to do both. So think about that while you're fulfilling your product function. A community, they challenge each other. They respect each other when differences are had. They laugh at each other and they're honest with each other. And they step in for each other. That sense of cutthroatness, I, I've seen that. And I, I please watch out for that. You don't want to like cultivate that type you want to like look out for each other and like remember that you all have the shared end goal and we'll all have a lot of um real world applications on that when we look at like my product calendar so for trusting your instincts the best way to discover and encourage innovation in my opinion is for more people to feel comfortable trusting your gut and i know you all know what i mean here because you all have your own ideas that you're excited about but i would love to hear about it sometime too because i love to hear what you guys are working on be confident to try share and be comfortable with rejection or things not going with the way that you would. I've seen in my career so far, even within myself too, like a worry about like my ideas in any scope, like I'm nervous to share them because they might not have like some big impact or it might be judged or yeah. And not everything you'll think of seriously, guys, like won't be a corporate winner, whether it's like an actual product or like a process idea, something might not necessarily work but the courage to try and explore means more learning and increases the odds for discovering something unique and that's how you can kind of like what's the phrase like lightning in a bottle like being able to kind of like capture that and finding something that's like more unique which we need we need more of that in the industry and from every way of like having like a unique product but also like a unique construction like how it can be sustainable like how you can like really think outside the box and people, I really hope people can have more courage to kind of share that, even if you might not be met with like this excitement. Um, don't be afraid to do that. So trust your gut on that. And think back to that point of, of cultivating community and having respect for one another as you share that. Like encourage each other to have those ideas. Like just because you didn't think of something, that's okay. And if someone else thought of it and you, you were the person that like helped to like create the space to like explore that idea means that you'll create more opportunities for other people to be that for you. So hope that, hope that makes sense. And my last one, which I think would be like, uh, like the best way to run all this out is to experience everything. The best product team members are those that can be a Swiss army knife. 
do not shy away from an experience if you think it isn't what you signed up for or it's not necessarily exciting. The more you learn, the more valuable you are. And you literally never know when things will come back to help you. Like one example I have that really made me laugh a couple of days ago was like one of my tasks um, when I was a merch coordinator in my first role at Columbia was like inputting latest roll-up costs into our... Um, I think it was before a sales review. So basically we could like look at our latest margin rule and it was like, you know, thousands of products. I was basically given a spreadsheet and I had to input all of them into our PLM system. And the way to do that is I had to learn how to do a VLOOKUP. And I don't know if any of you know what that is or if you had to learn that yet, which was like basically like Excel coding to pull in all of these costs from one sheet to another. And I was like, this is not what I signed up to learn as like an outdoor product designer and all of these things. Like, why do I need to know how to do this? And Anyways, but roll up my sleeves, learned it, figured it out. I've used it so many times. And then like just this past week, because at Cotopaxi, um, I think I can say this, like we're still like, we're, we're starting to have our new PIM system and we've been using Excel sheets in the meantime, basically like building our own product line management and we're having to input it all into that. And I'm using this VLOOKUP. I was able to step in and do that. So like, I would really encourage you all just to like learn everything you can. You literally never know when you're able to use it and not only use it, but like you'll be able to help people too a lot. Like, and that's, that'll really make you a good member of our product team. So let me know if you guys want to talk about anything of that more, but I, I really wanted to like dial it back to just like my three like rules. And that's something I also tell like my direct reports to do, like, especially as I'm like onboarding new people is to focus on some of these things. And it, it keeps it keeps product fun. It keeps it exciting, but also keeps it real, especially when things get like hard, whether like you're going up against like difficult margins or if something isn't working and you're trying to trouble troubleshoot a product. So let's talk through how all of those kind of shape um, throughout the product process. And this is more focused on like how it is for me as a line manager. And I hope this is effective for you guys, like for you guys to kind of like hear this, let me know if not. Um, and this is an overview of like my current like product process calendar and key phases, the gates to support like on-time product arrival, which is what I'm responsible for as a product line manager. First being concept, which is like the whole sandbox of like the early product um, process where you're working with all of your designers, your color designers, your developers, maybe some of your go-to-market counterparts. Like I'm like, you know, we're doing retreats or we're doing like the big kickoffs to the season. And if you think back to like some of those first three guiding points that I shared with you guys of like cultivating community, having respect for each other, trusting your gut, that's when you're throwing everything at the wall and seeing like what's going to stick for the season. And that's where some of like the most like outlandish ideas might like come up, like we should do down onesies or like we should do like, you know what I mean? Like you, you name it. And that's where like, I've been in shoes too. I've been in kickoffs before where people are almost just like, just like deep in the data and being like shutting down every idea because they're like, well, that's not going to trend because during Q2, like we didn't even look at the inventory, like wholesale still sitting on here or the amount of returns we had, like getting like, and yeah, you need to have those real discussions, but like really just being kind of like, using that as like a crutch to kind of like laugh at people's ideas. Like I've been in those rooms. I think there's a way to like do that respectfully, but that's where you're having those concepts. You're figuring that out. And then me, I go and I get commercial input. So I'm going to all my counterparts with like 
I'm going to REI, I'm going to Shields, or I'm going to like my direct to consumer team, and I'm pooling all of getting all of this input, and then I'm also doing my trend research. I'm going to the trend shows whether it's at a retailer or ISPO, and I'm seeing what everyone else is doing and seeing like well, how our ideas and what we can do to complement or disrupt in the industry. And then I'll translate all of that into product briefs. And that's where I'm, my view of a brief, um, and I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of different examples, but like as a product plan manager building a brief, I, and because I've worked as a designer and I've worked as a developer, I really try to encourage a sense of a sandbox, so to speak, like making sure that I'm not just writing a prescription, which sometimes that does happen because there's, there could be a certain product that like an account's like they, we need X, Y, and Z and we'll buy a bunch of it. So yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll be a little prescriptive there because that means we're going to make like a good margin there that can fund the more fun things we want to do. But I like really want to encourage um, these designers that are going to be end developers that will get these briefs to like have a voice and to put their own twist on it. Because me as a product line manager, I'm in the weeds as you see of all these different things. And I, I'm not going to know everything and I'm not, and, and yeah, I have to like be like the deciding factor a lot of the times, but I also don't like the idea of like me, everything I say goes, I want people to like come to the table with their ideas and how we can kind of like capture something unique. So build those briefs and then we'll do a seasonal kickoff where we come back together with everyone um, back to that concept and commercial input. Everyone comes back into a room and we present, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to make. Here are the margins we need to hit. Here are the features we need to have. Here's some of our cool ideas we're going to try. Here are the, some of the things we know might be a risk, but we're going to go for it because we know we have you know 70% of our line that's going to make us the money we need to make. But this is this is how we can like make some of these crazier things that might not pan out, but we'll be okay. Then we'll go to pre-line concepts with key accounts. So once I've like handed that off and if I'm thinking about my calendar, right? Because you guys will get this and I'm sure you already do. Like I never know like what year and season it is because it might be spring 23 right now, but I'm working on fall 25 and spring 25 at the same time. Like I'm all, you're always working ahead. So I'm kind of crazy. So pre-line concepts with key accounts, I'll take those and then go back to like, for example, like I, I need to go to Seattle next week to sit down with REI and We'll be, I'll be showing like, okay, here's what we have coming up fall 24. And I've got like a lot of protos now, but I'm working on spring 25 right now. So here's some of these briefs that I'm briefing in. Like, how would you, how are you guys seeing yourselves fit in here? And then I'm going to be taking back some of that feedback into again, to like the next season. So prepping that in and like building that back, that's something I'm, I, I'm always doing. And then predictive costing here's where things can get like really dicey because leadership is always going to care about what your margin is, whether it's wholesale direct, every company I've worked for so far in the past six years, this is where the fun stops almost always. And like the sleeves get rolled up and people get kind of nasty because they'll be like, that's like one of the coolest ideas, but you're kidding me. That's going to be a 30, 60 margin. And this is going to live prominently in wholesale. Like we're barely going to make profit here after we factor in the risk of like having like air shipments or returns. Like this is stupid. That's when people get nasty. <laughs> and this is where I would say like, this is where you need to have like the greatest sense of respect and problem solving. Because if you have that mindset of just being like, well, what are you doing? Um, people don't want to like, people aren't inspired to come up with creative solutions and creative solutions, meaning like, 
one, like sacrificing um, features or like losing the vision of a product, like basically stripping it just to make a profit. That's when that's like where personality goes to die. And you all have seen product that where that's apparent, like you've seen where like, okay, they literally like, that's just there because it's trendy and they need to make money, but it's boring. So if you can go back to like trusting your gut and your instinct and like some of those cool ideas, but then also like coming together as a community and coming up with a creative solution, I've seen both ends of it. I've seen people where they've had to strip it, just to strip it, but then I've seen people come together as a team to try and still make something that can, you know, service all needs of whether it's sustainable or what's cool about it and also making a profit, which is really hard to do all three of those right now, because you're going to work with a lot of people and back to my other point of like, where like, you know, the product world where it's very cutthroat, you'll have, you'll work with a lot of people that will just want to do everything they can just to make money. And that's where we as like an outdoor industry get to kind of like, well, we can do that, but we can also do it. That'll benefit the planet, benefit people. And also just for the sake of creativity and making something really cool. Though. So, that's that that's one like dicey moment and i've been i've been on both where like and this is like i actually just got off a call with the team in asia that i'm supposed to be on like right now is like we have a lot of products this season that we've got to hit some pretty like steep retails while also being cool and also being sustainable because that's like our you know like, the basis of Cotopaxi. and I wish I could like say what they are, but like I can't yet. But maybe if I come back, if you guys want, like we'll we'll talk about this in like six months. <laughs> but we were able to when we did predictive costing, our margins were rough. We were we were hitting pretty like it was really hard to hit, and because we were able to like come together and like be real and be creative, we just got margins back, and we were actually exceeding targets, and we didn't lose all of those. And it was like one of the best calls I've had it was really exciting to have those results and we're all really proud of it. And I've seen it go the opposite. So the best way to get to that is to kind of focus on those three things I've shared. Okay. I feel like I'm rambling a lot, but I'm hoping this is making sense. <laughs> so go to market, share out with sales and marketing after that, which is what I'll be doing next week for this next season. Um, I get to sit down and make it. Hey, here's the latest and greatest. Here are, the margins here, are the key initiatives, here's where we see the volume, planning team, e-commerce team, brick and mortar retail team, um, wholesale team. How are you going to bring this product to life and sell it? And how are we going to be telling these stories? And that's where everything is basically like pre-built for when we go to the launch. And that's where as a product plan manager, like you're not working with just design and dev, you're working with a lot of people that are bringing your product to life and selling it in real time which is also where you get like a lot of like, I don't know. I think that's one of my favorite parts of the job is like, yeah, I'm building a product product and design, but then I also get to think about like what athlete are we going to partner with or like what local, what, what rep are we going to work with? Like, what's the story here? How's that going to come to life and like social media channel or even like in-person and retail. I, I think that's fun. I think that's one of my favorite parts. So after that we go building, we will book our grade for SMS, which is basically like when you're a, when you're a company that's not just direct to consumer and you're like have like a big wholesale fall, a wholesale booking, like which I would say like predominantly it was Columbia, right? Cotopaxi where I'm at right now. Um, we have to build basically our within this, so to speak, and all those ideas that we've had, and we get to build a salesman set and we use that set to go to our accounts so they can touch and feel and decide if they want to buy it. And that's where 
we got to like make sure we're we, we're confident what we've done we check the boxes so we're not um and so we'll be able to make profit and then we'll go into p1 where we'll start like seeing some of these ideas come to exam come to life and we'll get feedback which is again i have been, in the product world everybody has an opinion and if you can expect each other and like focus on that end goal you won't like <laughs> i've seen products where like you almost like what's you know what I mean? have you seen have you seen those you probably don't but like i think i saw a meme the other day that was like <laughs> when you build a product that has like all of everyone's feedback incorporated it's like a pizza that has like chicken on it brownies pineapple and like it's got like everything that is like that i've seen that happen usually with ski jackets but i don't know those those products can go off the rails like so fast so you'll then you'll after that i the design's taking that feedback in they're working on that i step in again and i'm going and i'm identifying key now that i'm seeing things come to life this is what's really going to work and we need to invest more dollars here into telling that story that's our hero item we'll rank color based on like seeing in season performance, but then also like looking at our trend reports or like what we think is like brand appropriate or risky and I'll rank the colors. And all of that is basically like teeing us up to make sure we are um, building the best line and also like not making waste because when you're doing this, you're also like booking in like how much you're going to buy. And if you like put all of your money in like, you know, like purple was huge last year. And if we ranked purple above like, a black or like a core green, you're going to be sitting on so much in wholesale and direct at the end of the season. So that's where you're ranking those to make sure you're making the appropriate amounts. Then we place the PO for SMS, which is always dicey because that's when we all hold hands and we're investing a bunch of money into building the set to go and sell. And so we book that and then we've seen P2, we come back and we see where the next round comes in. Then we'll have sales meeting. And that's where we're at a place where we basically like we've got the line, we've got our latest round samples. We're going to show it off. Like at Columbia, that's where I would be like in the big sales room. Like one of the first lines, oh my gosh, this is so random. I just remembered this. Like I was like thrown in a week on the job and they're like, Karen, will you help present the fishing line? And I've never like fished in my life. And I had to like present like these bright yellow fishing shirts, like confidently saying they were really cool when I was like, cool. <laughs> but anyways, so like this is where in a sales meeting, you're going to be like, it's really like as a product line manager, you're selling the work of everything that's gone before you. Um, and you're also in there representing all of those teams too. So that's something I try to keep in mind, like, <laughs> like having that respect for everything. Cause I've, I've also seen people be like, you know, like REI will like raise their hand and ask a question like, well, why is that zipper popped? And I've seen people be like, Oh, I don't know what the designer was thinking. That was dumb. Like, no, like never do that. As If you're doing that, like I've seen that happen. Like, have a sense of respect in those ideas because remember that you signed off on that on like six times before this, as you can see here. So, so keep that in mind. Then you'll have a line final meeting. And then this is mostly exclusive, like what like the team we're working on right now, like we'll build a workbook, which is like building that catalog. And that's where I've got to like go through and like, I do this a lot more at Codepexy right now. Like I'm basically an editor. I'm like going through and making sure that everything in that catalog is captured and how it's come to life and making sure the product is like shown how it should be. And after that, we'll do some pre-line showings again. Yeah. Oh my gosh, got that backwards. Pre-line showings, workbook, line, final meeting, and then sales meeting. Sorry guys. We'll do that in that order. And then after that, we do the whole thing again for the next season. Yeah. So I hope I've industry term here, like met the brief and like kind of like walking you guys through, um, 
how to be a good team member in like the product world and kind of like showing like how this kind of impacts all these cross-functional teams. I would just like really encourage everybody to like just care about each other and get excited and don't be afraid of doing hard work and have fun and keep it real. Seriously. There's so much to do and there's so much to make and there's a lot of people doing the same thing out there. So try to put your spin on it. Okay, Chase, I'm doing okay. You're doing great. Do you want to do questions now? Does that work? Yeah, that'd be okay. perfect. Hey, Ryan, I have a question. Hit me. Um, so you mentioned story before and like how much storytelling is like a huge part of like what you do in launching a product. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for how we can better incorporate story or how we can present that better in our design briefs? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, let me think about that for a second. As it pertains to a design brief, think about, like, try and picture in your brain, like, how I'm going to use, like, say you're building, like, the Prana Stretch Zion pant for the first time. Think about, you're not just building that to build it. Like, where's it going to live? I think this is going to be, you know, this is a wholesale item. Like, I think more people are going to buy it out. Or I want this to be our own. Like, this is just going to be bought from us. Here's how it's going to come to life. Like, here's where we can shoot it. Or here's where, here's who could wear it. Or maybe we could go to Halong Bay in Vietnam and do some climbing there. And like, this could be like the perfect pant for that. And we're going to capture that. Think about how it's going to come to life. You're not just going to like throw it at the wall. Think about how you're going to throw it to the wall and how it's going to stick and how I'd encourage that. Like maybe putting some slides together in your briefs, maybe like go see what your competitors are doing or like how examples of other people have done it. Like here's how cool did it, or here's how, um, Westerland in New York, like if you want like a cool, like a Soho setting, like here's how they're doing it there. Like show how they're like telling that story, show some examples. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, that does. That's super helpful. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Any recent examples where you were able to cultivate the outdoor community and or build a safe environment for your team? Ooh. I love that. Yes. Um, yeah, let's go there. Um, I've had a couple times in my career where I've sat on two different panels for like the pride committee, for example, where I, which is a really unique space. It's, it's interesting space to, to be in sometimes in the outdoor community um, where we have come together, whether it was for, like for pride month or for like a, a pride launch or for like an affiliate and I've been on both ends of that where one, I've been able to kind of like lead that effort and like um, putting together the panel or finding the athletes to do that. And I would say like, whenever you're putting any sort of marginalized in any sense, individual in a space in any form of where they're going to have some sort of spotlight, I'm trying to like choose my words here that is putting them in a vulnerable space where they might be met with something where like to use where they won't be safe. Is, is that kind of, does that make sense? Like looking for a head nod here. I want to make sure I'm like speaking to this, right. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's scary. And I think really being mindful of that and making sure you're like watching out for everybody, whether it's how they're going to be like portrayed on like the site, social media, or like, 
photographed, being there for them at all times and creating a space where they can feel comfortable and speaking up if something isn't feeling okay. And I'm hoping I'm answering the question like that. I would say you need to make sure you're doing, cause I've been on both ends of that where like, I've just been used to like, just be there. But then I've also been on the other side where they've been like, they've walked through me with the process just to like, make sure like your story and like you as a person is being heard and you're being respected. Did that answer your question, Evan? Good. Thumbs up. Thank you. Good question. I've got a, a question for you, Ryan. Um, in a, a couple weeks back, we talked a lot about values and culture within a company. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of what we're talking about like dovetails into that conversation. So how much of like the team building, being a good team member, like how much of this have you like consciously spent time like thinking about like your own, like what kind of team member you want to be? Like how much of it is conscious versus like, and how much of it have you worked on yourself? Like how much work do you put into like becoming a team member? Like, I don't want it to just sound like this is something that's just inherent. I, I'm assuming yeah. you have to practice this and you have to work on it. And just like you would like practicing your selling skills or any other technical skill. I don't know. What yeah. thoughts do you have on that? Oh, that's a very, that really is a good question. I would say it took me a while to kind of like realize that's something I wanted to practice because I was like, I realized the effects of not practicing that. If that makes sense. Like I, if I feel like I just started going through the motions because it really is true. Like you spend so much of your time working on what you're doing. And when I was just going through the motions, that's also when I like didn't care as much. And that's when I wasn't excited about what I was doing. And I was just almost like, kind of just like, okay, it's kind of mundane. And when I started like practicing to care, so to speak, <laughs> reminding myself to be like, no, like I care about the people I'm doing. I want this to, I want to like get something from this. And I want to like um, benefit from like personally and get excited about what I'm doing. And it, it, yeah, you have to kind of like practice those values, whether it's like reminding yourself to like get outside with your teammates or like checking out on each other, or also just like asking for feedback too, like really caring about like building that community. Am I answering your question? You are. It, um, my wife talks about that practicing to care. Is it yeah. like, she calls it like the roller coaster effect. Like sometimes yeah. roller coaster is not fun for her, but she like throws her hands up in the air and like pretends that it's fun for some reason, like that action, like makes it more enjoyable. Or even if you're kind of like faking it or, you know, uh, so I, I don't know if that is a one for one, but the definitely. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like if you're the one doing that, like someone next to you might be like, okay, I guess this is fun. Or like, yeah, I'll try, I'll try caring too. Like, you know what I mean? Like you'll totally have a trip of an effect on that. How do, how do you care about products that you don't care about? Oh, and I've been like that yellow fishing shirt. Um, I, <laughs> I think I kind of said this earlier is I might not, but I know a lot of other people do. And the care that I had in the product that I was excited about, other people have that exact same amount of passion into what they did there too. And so we're equal. That's great. Another question in the chat. How do you integrate Codapaxi's focus on sustainability into your design briefs and product lines? Like what does that look like? Yeah. So it depends on the company. Like I've been at a company where I'll speak up now on this, like, Columbia is so big that like sustainability, like, or like some sort of like R there is like really hard sometimes to have like a forefront. 
but then also at Cotopexi on the flip side, the basis of our like foundation is a three R's, like some sort of like, is it recycled? Is it responsible? Or like, you want to make sure that like you're having, um, or renewed, that's what it was. That has to be tied back to every product. So I would say if you're at a company where that doesn't, you don't have like a basis of that or you do make sure you do. Does that make sense? Like I, I would say like at Cotopexi, like I have, like it's, it's given to me, like I have, if I'm going to brief a product, is the fabric recycled? Is the fabric upcycled? Is it remnant? Or is it going to have like an eco-friendly finish? Or are we like making sure that it has fair trade? Or is it all three of those? Like we're never settling too. Like don't think like, oh, I'm just going to like recycled fabric. That's a way to like make sure I'm making a responsible product. Like push it there. I want to ask, like make sure this is a fair trade certified. Let's see if we can do recycled. Or like maybe we can even also have a... Why am I blanking on the term? The DWR that's like terrible. Why am I Is it PVC? No, it's, I can't remember what it's called. PFAS. Uh, thank you. Yes, like making sure that doesn't, like always trying to push it there. So I have to do that at Cotopaxi. That's a benefit of making sure I'm like, that's kind of like an underlying understanding. But when I'm at Columbia and I'm building a brief where you kind of have to ask for that, have a personal basis of that to make sure that, well, on my briefs, I'm going to make sure I'm always asking for any of those areas. Does that, does that answer your question, Carson? Sweet. Um, another question here. You mentioned that it isn't helpful to think about a product as either a huge win or not. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yes. As you can tell, I probably can elaborate too much on everything. Um, I would say don't think about like... I. I and maybe I'm reflecting on like portray like my own personal struggles that I like do with my product. So maybe it's just me. <laughs> you guys tell me, I would say like this mindset of like always having like, you know, this has to be the greatest idea. It's gotta be huge. Whether like, I want like an, all these people wearing it, or I want to like make this money. Like it has to be big and exciting. Um, I try not to think about like that. If like it, I have an idea, like I have an idea, just have an idea. And I think this is cool whether it's going to be like this huge successful thing, or maybe just like worn by a couple people, like a drop in the bucket. I try to just think about like, you know, I'm excited about it. Let's just see if other, what other people do. And then I share that because then who knows where that's going to go. Maybe it could go, who knows another way. Like, don't be afraid to share it just because you're worried if it's not going to be like a big thing or not. Does that make sense? Because that's how like the craziest, coolest things have come to life. If you think about it. Like that's how the chinchilla pant at Patagonia was. That people like people don't want to wear that as a pant. Uh, I've got kind of another question along the lines of culture. Um, yeah, in in relationships, I mean, there there people will will talk about like, oh, well, I can change this person, right? And that's not really a healthy way of thinking about things, right? Or a relationship. Yeah. I imagine that same mentality trickles into like teams. It's like, well, you know. The, the situation we're in right now or the team dynamic isn't great, but it's like, I can be the change, right? It's like, I, I can fix this. I can fix this yeah. team or I can fix this person, right? Like, when does that become, I, I, I can fix it. it can be a positive <laughs> like, and we need to make change, but when is it too much? When is it, when do you need to draw that boundary and say, this is not a healthy team environment. Like I should look for another opportunity. It's very because I've been there, Chase, you know, this with, you've heard me talk about things like this. I would say the one thing I've learned in that regard is that the only thing you can control is yourself. And depending on like, if you're at, 
don't think you can control yourself. And I mean that in the sense of like, if a, if a role or like a environment isn't the right fit, you'll, it's up to you to kind of like how you control how you react to it. Or if you decide to walk away, maybe there's an opportunity for you to like, really like stick with it. But then I really do think it comes down to like trusting your gut there of like, no, this isn't me. <laughs> like it's, it's definitely something here that isn't fitting me. That's okay. I'm going to go try and find something, something else elsewhere. And I think you should try and like maintain that mindset because it's easy to be like, well, the grass is always green on the other side, or I'm always going to find a place where everybody gets along and everything's perfect. You never know. Yeah. It's a delicate balance, right? Because at the same time, right. It's like, you don't want to, when things get hard, that doesn't necessarily mean like a bad environment and yes, no reason to jump at the first opportunity either. So it's, it's kind of navigating like, when is this like an unhealthy environment versus just a hard situation, which yes, a whole nother conversation. We have. There's a difference between like being in an environment where like everyone's just like at each other's throats versus like having a disagreement and working through it as a team. Oh, oh, we probably have time for one more. One or two, even. Oh, good. We used the time. I was worried I was going to like talk for 15 minutes and then be like, bye. I was, I was worried. I figured we could. You could <laughs> okay. With your past job experience, did you feel like you had to compromise on any of your values? Like I know like you kind of mentioned that Columbia isn't like the most sustainable company just because they're so big. Did you feel like you had to compromise there at all? Mm, good question. Yeah. And I kind of hesitate to say yes, because I think you have to learn what it means to kind of compromise the value, so to speak, like realizing that, like, am I, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's, I mean, the industry's big and there's so much to learn. Like even when you like learning doesn't stop when you graduate and you're still figuring out how to do all of your jobs too. So sometimes it's hard to like figure out like what, if you are sacrificing a value, but I would say like what I've learned is like, back to like the only person you can control is yourself and the best way to like make a change is sometimes to be in it and to speak your mind the best you can and know that you can't fix everything and if you just walk away just to walk away from everything you're not going to make any difference at all like do the best you can in that sense am i answering your question yeah that makes sense yeah because i've definitely been in ways where i've been like oh okay we're gonna have to like pivot to a non-recycled polyester in this and i've had to like make because i've got to hit that margin but if i don't do that jeopardy and you know if i if i like i i I voiced my concern on that specific example and this decision was still made which is some advice i would give is there's a way for you to be like i'm concerned about this this is why i i understand that this is our solution i found the solution but this is why i'm concerned about it and putting it in someone else's hands to make that decision just so you can like, that's what I had to do there. But then the next time it gave me another opportunity to not have to settle for that. And I know that's kind of like a bummer answer, but like there have been, there have been opportunities that I've had to kind of do that, but it's allowed to kind of make some differences. That's great. Well, we hit time, even though you didn't think we would, we hit our perfect. Um, Ryan, is there, we don't want to overwhelm your no inbox or anything but if if anyone wants to reach out how's the best way to do that um 
you can email me, LinkedIn, social media. I don't care. You can have my number if you want. Like I'm always here. Like I really care about you all. I'm excited. I'm excited. I want to hear what you guys are doing. I'm sad I couldn't come up to there in person because I really want to see what you guys are working on. But reach out in any way. I'm always here. And if I'm slow to respond, it's usually because I'm a little all over the place, but I, I will always do my best to make sure I get to you. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Ryan. This was fantastic. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate the time. Thanks yeah. so much. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel, or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at USU Outdoor Product and let us know how you're enjoying the show.